Well, hey, we find ourselves, uh, thank you for being here, by the way, at Shine Church. We're delighted that you're here with us, just lifting up the name of Jesus and creating holy ground. When we come together, um, it's not that you're coming into a holy building. You make it holy because you are here and you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather in one purpose, in one heart, and one mind to lift him up, it becomes a holy place. And so, and we bless each other, right? Your worship of him blesses me and allows me to experience him in a greater way. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, Hey, we are heading into, for those of you who are observant, Valentine's Day week. And so in honor of that, I wanted to just um, give you some bits of wisdom before we jump in. And so these are um, some questions for you. Uh, Number one is, where do you find love in a grocery store? I'll be. I'll be there. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay. How about, guys, this is, again, pastor jokes meet dad jokes. It's the worst possible. But I'm just, I'm plowing the soil. If you can survive this, God is going to speak to you today. Um, what did the snail say on Valentine's Day when his call went to voicemail? I just crawled to say. Ooh, come on. Come on, somebody. All right. Last one. Last one. Uh, why shouldn't you trust a pastry chef on Valentine's Day? Because they'll desert you. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on real quick. All right. So we are here in a word for the year or at least a, a theme that we feel God is wanting us to press into as a family, and that is the word overflow. We believe God is calling us to live lives of overflow. He has blessed us. He wants us to live in that blessing and in his love. He's uh, called us to be a blessing. Uh, We've learned that he is the river of living water and that he promised, Jesus promised, that if we believe in him, rivers of living water will come from our innermost being and again, overflow, not only in our own lives, but in our families and in our friendships and and to others so they may taste his glory. And then we even were challenged to seek uh, for a word for the year individually that God sometimes can can speak to us individually. And so I hope you've had an opportunity to do that or maybe uh, you want to spend some time doing that. But then last weekend, we kind of transitioned to the theme of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, that part of living in overflow is understanding the kingdom that we're a part of the kingdom that we live in. And so uh, Pastor Dan laid an incredible foundation kind of showing us that, hey, the most important thing to know about a kingdom is what? That it has a king, right? You can't have a kingdom without a king. And in our case, we're very blessed because our king is the king of kings. He's amazing. He's the wise, the only wise God. He's compassionate. He is long-suffering. He is faithful. He is strong. He is courageous. And so we find ourselves blessed to be part of the kingdom. Look at the story of Adam and Eve. Go back literally to the first two chapters of the Bible where the story and the plan of God uh, began and kind of look at what are some of the, uh, would you agree that uh, the way that God created the heavens and the earth and put man and woman in the garden in some way was indicative of what God had in mind for us? Would you agree with that? There, the word it is good or good is used 12 times in the first two chapters of the Bible alone. And it's a powerful thing. God is saying, man, I am one. Now, what happened in chapter three? Any Bible scholars? 
chapter three. Blah, 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 blah. What? Messed it up. Wow, Adam and Eve chose to not trust God, to believe that they, could, uh, that they would be better off by disobeying and eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and having a chance to go, hey, I want to experience both good and evil and kind of make up my mind for myself. We probably see that attitude in ourselves or all around us. Would you agree? And so, uh, obviously, in chapter 3, man, the keys to the kingdom are lost. We find ourselves, they, they are sent out of the Garden of Eden, and it was broken and lost until the second Adam came. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came, and he, what everything that Adam and Eve had lost and had, had turned over to the enemy, Jesus came and took it back. And he is the king of our kingdom, and he is wanting his authority and his freedom to flow through you and through me. And so he is doing it. But here's the thing. This kingdom, listen to um, Jesus told his followers in Luke 17, uh, verses 20 and 21. Some Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. His answer was, the kingdom of God does not come in such a way as to be seen. No one will say, look, here it is, or there it is. But listen to this. Because the kingdom of God is within you. And I believe that Jesus is saying, hey, I have come and I have taken back the keys of the kingdom. I have all authority. He said that in, uh, in Matthew chapter 28 before he ascended back to heaven. All authority is mine. Therefore, as you go, make disciples. So he has all authority, but he's wanting us to bring us back in our thinking, in our paradigm, in the way we experience him, back to what he originally created. But here's the thing, it's inside out right? Would you agree? Okay, let me read this to you real quick. Um, okay, before I say that, I'm going to say this. Um, there are three questions that I believe we wrestle with and that we've been wrestling with ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And there are three questions that the way that we wrestle through them and the answers that we base our life on is going to determine how we experience the kingdom of God in us and through us. And so I wanted to take a look at those. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, ways, Pastor Dan reminded me, you know, there's so many things that we could glean from this. We're just gonna look at a couple of them today. But I hope that it whets your appetite and that you begin to see, wow, Jesus, yes, Lord. Take me in and let your kingdom, the seeds of it, be sown in me and let it work from the inside out so that I can truly walk as your son and your daughter in your authority and your freedom and your purpose. So, what is that? The first question that I believe uh, we find ourselves wrestling with is, who is my source? Who is my source? In uh, Genesis 2, verses 5 through 9, it says this, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and were good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, um, 
here's the first thing I believe that God wants us to understand and remember. And we think somehow that this isn't holy or spiritual, and it sounds like maybe it couldn't be true. You were made for beauty. You were wired to experience loveliness around you. You were made to smell beautiful things. I gave somebody a hug right before coming up here. They had a, an aroma of uh, 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 frankincense, and it was like, wow, I feel better already. I feel like it's cleansing my lungs and everything, right? We were made to taste delicious food. We were made to observe beautiful sunsets. We were made to hear beautiful music that moves us. You were made for plenty and for good and for beauty. Don't let the enemy condemn you when the very wiring that you have as a son or daughter who bears the image of our God enjoys and cherishes beauty and what is good. But what happened? Obviously, we know they gave it away, and, and we find ourselves now in Christ wrestling with, okay, I was wired. Anybody like, you know, I feel like I was made to in some ways live at an all-inclusive resort in Mexico, maybe? Like, you know what I'm saying? People like, ocho, uh, whatever, por favor, you know, amigo, you know. Living on by the ocean, hearing the rippling of the waves. And we know, hey, that's not the reality that we live in, right? The reality that we live in is very, very different. The reality that we live in is that we're in a broken world. The reality that we live in is that sometimes we don't know how we're gonna pay the bills. The reality that we live in is that we don't know how our body is going to be healed. The reality that we live in is that we don't always see around us the way that Adam and Eve did all of the provision and all of the effects of the source that we have who has unlimited. And so it's in this place that God actually uses that. God actually is saying, I'm, I'm actually starting from the inside out. And as you look around your life, I may intentionally bring you through places where you don't see that good, that beautiful, that plenty you don't see it, and guess what? I'm using that season because I want this to be a seed that grows in you from the inside out. What did Jesus tell his followers in the Sermon on the Mount? He said this in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 30. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Think about that. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus' word to you is, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, we have a choice, and I believe it was Lauren in our teaching team said this, we experience the kingdom of God to the degree that we're willing to submit to him as king. We experience the kingdom of God to the degree that we're willing to submit to him as king. And so I think this is one of the ways that the Lord is inviting us 
to truly establish him as our king and choose to live in his kingdom is when I don't see the manifestation of his provision as my source. When I have to struggle, when I don't know what he's doing or why he's leading me through this season, I have a choice. And I can either say, and the enemy's like, well, see, he's not taking care of you. He doesn't have your back. He doesn't know what you're going through. He doesn't know your struggle. He's forgotten all about you. He's moved on. He's not that good of a king. But we have a choice to say, no, 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 no. Jesus is my source. He is my provider. I will, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what's gonna change around me, but I know that he loves me. And I believe his word. I will not worry. I will not fret because he's got my back. And I believe that God is inviting us to that wrestling place because the authority that he wants to flow through us, and we're gonna be talking about this much more in the coming weeks, but the kingdom authority he wants, I think will be hindered if we haven't established that he is our source. If we haven't wrestled through that. He's gonna call us to places of obedience. He's gonna call us to places of trust that we're not gonna be ready to obey and, and go with him if we haven't wrestled through this and established it. You know, just uh, last night, we actually had someone in the service talk about a need that they had, a practical need. And it was something very, very tangible and that something had broken down. And even after the service, I was talking to this person. They were like, I just don't understand. Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I, like, you know, kind of am I being punished sort of thing? Or, or am I, like, I don't get it. What, should we have to, to struggle and fight and contend? Or does that mean that God's not in this? And I didn't have, I mean, would you have an answer for that? Like, I don't know, right? That's where the Lord is inviting us to wrestle with him. I don't know what he's going to speak to you, but I know he loves you. I know he wants to meet you in this place of establishing that he's your source, that he's got you, that he's gonna work from the inside out. Well, literally, I'm on my way out, getting ready to go home, and somebody says, hey, um, could we give through the church to meet that need for that person? I'm like, whoa, that was interesting. So literally, we have both sides of this wrestling of who is my source. We have a person with a practical lack in their life. Perhaps a fear of like, is God gonna come through? But wrestling through it and choosing to praise and choosing to, to be here and worship the Lord in spite of some very serious difficulty going on. And then we've got another person that perhaps had to wrestle a little bit with like, okay, Lord, is that you? You know, you've always heard the, the one that, that, that was in the, the service and uh, the time for offering came around, and they had a $5 bill in one pocket and a $50 bill in the other, and they're like, Lord, I trust you to lead me which one I should give, right? And so they, like, you know, literally the, the bucket's coming down the aisle, and they're like, reached out, looked at it, saw that it was the 50, and they were like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> we have a choice. If we see that God is our source, we're gonna be able to obey in generosity. We're gonna be able to walk in that life of overflow even when it challenges us because he's calling us deeper and deeper. Man, such a cool thing to see. He's working with us, guys. As we say, yes, Lord, I believe that God is, as a family, giving us opportunities to really step into these things. Do you want that? Wrestle with him because he wants to eliminate that fear of lack and establish that sonship and daughterhood in your spirit, that citizenship of the kingdom that you know he's got me. He's got me. He's going to take care of me. He is my source. Let's look at another one. What about this? 
Another question that I think they wrestled with was, what, how am I supposed to live with these people? Or this person in that case, right? It was Adam and Eve initially, just two of them. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think in our lives, have you found yourself asking that question? How am I supposed to live with these people? It's not always easy, is it, to live in relationship? Let me read to you how it was in the very beginning. It says this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And because it's Valentine's week, I'm going to say, when he first saw her and God brought her to him, he was like, whoa, man. <laughs> but I think we can all agree he felt really good about the situation. Would you agree? I think, I think that's what we're being led to, to understand is this, right? For she was taken out of man, out of him. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and Eve, listen to this, Adam and Eve and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. Um, we've, Shine Church has been in existence about five and a half years. We transitioned from a video campus of Jubilee. And in the early years, Peter will remember this, uh, probably I'm guessing spring of 2019, we decided to do a staff fun day. And we decided it would be at Boondocks. And I was responsible at that time. Cammie and I were kind of working with, with the staff in kind of a managerial capacity. And, and so I was to organize this Boondocks. Anybody know, everybody know what Boondocks is? If you don't, you should check it out. There's bowling. There's laser tag. There's ropes courses. There's pizza. There's an arcade. There's go-karts. I mean, literally, talk about the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of like, just saying. That. I'm not paid to say that, but it's kind of fun if you're with the right people. But we had this outing, right? And I was like responsible to like gather all the information. And obviously we had a group rate. And so it was going to be this discount. And they give you additional like credits for the arcade. And everything was going to be just this glorious day. Well, I looked it all up. And then it was like, oh yeah, no problem, uh, Mr. Smith. Just call us like three days before and we'll get everything ready for you. And DJ Smith, a.k.a. ADHD Smith, was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do that probably. But guess what? I didn't do it. So we get there. It's like the day of or the day before. And our admin at the time was like, so you got everything ready? And we got all the cards? And we got everything? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And I'm trying to call. And as I remember, it was like, I couldn't get through. And it was too late. And it's like, no. So I'm scrambling there. We drive. We're like going through stop signs. You know, Mario Andretti. Trying to get there before the rest of the staff. And I get there. And I'm like at the desk. I'm like, can you please? And it just felt like all the eyes were on. Have you ever felt that? Like everybody's looking at you? I don't even know. They're probably like having pizza and gumballs. But it just felt like everybody's in. I'm like, can we please, like, I don't know. Can you give us cards? And can we do something special? And, and it was like I felt so exposed. Because what? A weakness of mine was brought into the light. And the fact that I'm not the best organizer and the best detail person 
it just was really like, wow, everybody had a chance to see that. And I felt naked. I felt naked, but it wasn't like this, right? Here we read, oh, they were naked and they felt no shame and they felt just that love and acceptance and value. But I felt naked and I felt like I was like walking around in my underwear at boondocks, you know? Like Tom Cruise and whatever. It's not fun, guys. It's not fun. But here's what I believe God wants us to understand is that he's inviting us to wrestle with how do we live with each other in the kingdom. And my tendency is to, whenever I feel like I start heading towards being known, not only in my greatest qualities, but also in my weaknesses, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Let me go over here. Let me build a little fort with like my three besties that are just as crazy as I am and don't, you know, that doesn't bother them or whatever because it's difficult to move towards unity and to move towards intimacy and to move towards vulnerability and to recognize, yeah, I do have weaknesses. And guess what? That's an example, but what about when it really hurts people? What about when my weaknesses actually hurt others and cause damage in their soul? What about me looking uh, through someone here at church, greeting them, giving them a high five, but I'm, but I'm greeting all the other people that are coming in. They're like, dude, I was just sharing with you like my heart, like what I'm going through. And it was a heavy thing. And you're like trying to like make sure you catch everybody else who's walking in behind us, right? That ADHD piece of it. What about that? What about when we hurt people? Or when our weaknesses are not something we can be proud of and we feel ashamed? I believe that God is saying, hey, let me establish this truth inside of you that you know what, even though it's painful, even though it's scary, if you'll let me sow this seed of moving towards nakedness and vulnerability and genuine relationship, it's gonna be good in the end. It's gonna be good. Listen to what the word of God tells us in um, Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. The apostle Paul is writing and he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And here's how we can wrestle with Jesus in in letting him build this inside-out kingdom in relationships. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I needed people to bear with me that day because I hadn't gotten it together the way I was supposed to, but they did. They forgave me. They were gracious. But I had to be willing to receive that because it was in the light. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Guys, I believe that if we're going to truly step into the kingdom realities that God has in store for us, we're going to have to make a decision. And it's deciding to submit my desire to look good to others and have others be at arm's length where they see the side of me that they want, that I want them to see. And God is saying, hey, will you truly let your guard down and truly trust me but also others? You've heard that saying, living with the saints above will be glory. Living with the saints below is a different story. But I think we all find that, right? We hurt each other. We, if we're going to be in genuine relationship with one another, we're gonna, there are going to be some sparks. 
There's going to be some friction. There's going to be some hurt feelings. There's going to be, right, times when I say something in love, but it's too much or not quite right with the right humility. I'm not quite walking out the words of Ephesians 4. But God is saying, man, trust me. Because if you let me establish this, man, I'm going to take you to places. Here's what's cool about it. As I, I think, sort of, maybe in that one situation, I, I didn't feel like I really had a choice then because it was like out there for everyone to see. But I think as I've maybe made little baby steps to be like, all right, Lord, like, I want to be known and I want to know, and that's the bad and the good. Here's what's kind of cool about it is that now when Pastor Dan or somebody else at the office is like wanting to send out an email to the church, they're like, hey, DJ, hey, grammar nerd, how do we say this? Like, is it, you know, he gave it to her, his sister and me or to I, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, DJ to the rescue. My grammar, superhero abilities. And I was just talking to somebody that was a, a missionary who was here last weekend. And they were like, yeah, my dad was totally a grammar nerd as well. And we totally had that in common. It was like, oh my gosh. We were so having so much fun as grammar nerds. Get grammar nerds together, guys. And you know, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen, you know. Drive safely, you know, stuff like that. It's just, anyway, adverb, hello. But here's the thing, guys, it feels good to be known. It feels good, right? As much as it feels painful to have my weaknesses known and to recognize I need to reach out for help. In fact, right after that boondocks thing, I started having weekly meetings with Janelle and be like, I don't know if you remember that. I was like, can you help me, like, just get a little bit more organized and help me just kind of get my stuff together because God's graced her with a, a sharp mind to do that. So it's recognizing our need for one another and our weakness and our nakedness and vulnerability, but knowing that God intends, yes, it might hurt, but he intends for us to be valued and loved and cherished. Will we say yes to him? What about this? There's one other one that I believe God wants us to look at, and that is another question. Not only who is my source, not only how am I supposed to live with these people, but will I embrace my identity? Will I embrace my identity? In the story in Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, it says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule, say rule, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now that word, God created humankind to bear his, his image on earth. You've been made, I told you you were made for beauty and for what is good and for abundance and provision. You were also made to walk in authority as an image bearer of your creator. You are, you are God put Adam and Eve in the garden so that they would walk in authority. Do you see that there? Do you see that there in what we just read? So that they would rule, so that they would walk in authority over the birds of the sky and over the fish of the sea, all the animals, over the whole planet. God gave us stewardship and authority. He's the king of kings. In some small way, maybe with a lowercase k, you are a king or a queen. 
God has deposited his authority from the very beginning in you. But what happens? We see again, that was lost, right? Today, if you come to my house, we have two dogs. We have Millie, who's like seven, uh, I think. Yes, seven and a half. We have Lucy, who's 14. Millie is our King Charles Cavalier. And our friend, um, I won't say her name, because she's probably watching from a long ways away, <coughs> Florida, <coughs> or actually in Missouri. But she came to our house, and she would go to our pantry door, and she, that's where the treats were. And so she started giving Millie a treat from that pantry door every time she came to our house. Well, Millie is a very intelligent dog. She's like, oh, so that's where you guys keep those things. I don't know. Before that time, like, we would always, like, keep it, you know, under wraps. She didn't know that the pantry is where the treats are. So now what happens? Every night at, like, 6.30 to 9.30, we have her on a regular basis go over, sit in front of that pantry door, and... Every like five or ten seconds until we have to get up and it's, it's a whole deal. Guys, I can't even rule over my seven-year-old King Charles Cavalier and get her to stop scratching the stinking pantry door. But I think we see that, right? We, we see again that that authority that the Lord had called us to walk in, in fact, that word is kibosh. Have you ever heard like put the kibosh on something? That's where that comes from. Put the kibosh, have authority, bring it under submission. It actually is pretty intense. It says this, um, uh, let me see here, uh, to bring into bondage, to force, to keep under, to subdue, to bring into subjection. Does that sound like a pretty strong authority that we were given? Now, obviously, we're intended to use that in love, to serve one another. We're not going to be all jerks, but here's the thing. God intended us to have authority. And in Christ, he's saying, I want to renew that from the inside out. What did he tell us? In Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 30, it says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. He's talking about leadership. He's talking about walking in authority. How are we to walk in authority? He says this, instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. But I am among you as one who serves, the king of all kings, the Lord of glory, who has all majesty, all glory, all wisdom, has come and is showing us what walking in authority looks like from the inside out. It's, he's saying, hey, join me. I'm among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I think all of us can look at this and kind of wrestle with it, right? Like, wait a minute. What? My identity is to walk in authority, to walk in the image of God, to see his, his authority flow into my life and through me? I don't know if I really see that. I can't even control my dog 
much less walk in his authority. But I believe that Jesus is saying, hey, if you'll ask me, well, let's, let's talk about that. What, how do you think, let's have some interaction here. How do you think we can walk in a greater way in God's authority in our lives? Let's go ahead and talk about this for a moment. I believe God's gonna speak through you guys. Or why don't we see that authority flowing through our lives? Just raise your hand and say your name and then share. Hi, my name is Kim. I think one of the biggest reasons is fear of rejection. They get really excited about it. Maybe they even tell a friend, hey, I feel like God's calling me to do this or that and the other. And maybe that person you're talking to even kind of shoots it down. So I think if we're being called to it, man, we need to move straight ahead and not allow the enemy to take that away from us Mm -hmm. because we do have a greater calling. Mm-hmm. No matter what age we are, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to myself right now. I, I, pr- I promise you, I am talking to myself. Yeah. I really am. Yep. And have you experienced that, Kim, in, if I can be so bold in just sharing just a, a snippet of what you guys have been, some of what you've been called to do? Can I share that? Yeah. So Kim and Brad, uh, God uses them to do mission work through chiropractic services in Mexico. And I think, you know, we've had lunch, Brad, and you've talked to me about kind of learning to walk in, in that authority, right, of what the Lord's calling you to do, even in your relationships with pastors and with leaders and hosts. And, and I think it's, it's true, right? Sometimes it's not received the way that we, the way we think. But it's our faithfulness to say, Lord, what are you saying? You know, can I be obedient? Thank you guys for your faithfulness in doing that. Somebody else? Hi, I'm John. Um, it just really occurred to me, I think we need to have more of a spirit of anticipation mm-hmm. of looking for what God is going to do throughout the day. Because I think as we oh, expect that, then we start to see it. Then as we start to see it, we experience how he has us part of his plan and then, then our confidence grows. Mm. And then I think I see we see ourselves more in authority at that point. Mm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So good. We have an expectation. Again, believing, right? It starts with faith. Believing God wants us to walk in authority. I'm building a relationship with our garbage guy. Ever since 2020, he's an African-American gentleman. Ever since 2020, the Lord has led me into a relationship with him. His name is Latoris. And we've kept in communication. Now I have his phone number, his Facebook, where he's starting a blog. Man, if, if God puts on your heart, pray for Latoris. I don't know yet where he's at with the Lord. But again, when we talk about authority and expectation, it's not always like some huge, oh, I'm going to go and fill a stadium and preach to people the gospel. Maybe it's just, can I give my garbage guy a hug, right? Like I've got that authority to do that thing. And if I'm obedient to that, maybe God will give me something else. So awesome. Good, good. Yes. My name is Desiree. Um, I think it has a lot to do with what you're talking about here and knowing who we are and who he is and who we are in him. Mm. And I, I, I was thinking about how I'm Adam's wife. <laughs> and, and when Adam leaves the home, he entrusts the authority of the home to me over our children and over our home. 
and I operate in that throughout the day. And like, I know who I am as his wife. And mm. so I was just thinking about like, we are his completely and we can operate in that authority mm. because of who he is and yes. who we are in him. Yeah. So good. Thank you for sharing that. No? Yeah, there we go. Hi, guys. My name is Ryan. Uh, at least for me, the last few years, I, uh, I failed to recognize, at least in my own life, that, that the Lord actually gives you dominion over certain things, and mm. it's not prideful and it's not arrogant to actually exercise mm-hmm. the dominion that God's given you over certain situations or certain situations in your family or, you know, yes. whatever it might be. Yeah. So good. So good. I think we had, yeah, we got another one. And then we'll, oh, Okay. You want to go? Then my name is Sandra, and I think one of the ways that we can walk in authority is recognizing our identity and the power and authority that God has given us through our spiritual gifts, and also in spiritual warfare to Mm. really take hold of that and to use it in prayer and to intercede and take authority over evil and to loose angels and to really walk in the power that God has gifted us Mm -hmm. with and Mm -hmm. use that power of prayer. So good. Amen. I was just going to say that sometimes I think that we struggle with authority because you don't, it's kind of like the garden. Like you, you see that it's good, but you're just kind of waiting for it to fail. Like when is it not going to be good? Or like just the relationships that you talked about, DJ, like I think that's why as believers, um, Laura Kagan and I had that conversation recently just about kind of when is that, when is it going to not be good and how are we going to, um, I don't know, move through that. So it's hard to have authority sometimes because you don't want to be that person that ruins it or you're wondering when somebody else is going to, to ruin that kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. When's the other shoe going to drop? Or if I, it's, if I step in something that I feel like the Lord's calling me to do or say or kind of walk in a bit of authority, like will it rock the boat? Will it hurt someone, right? It takes, it takes a whole lot of learning, doesn't it? It takes learning a whole new set of skills to walk humbly. In, in authority. Yeah, it's a lot easier sometimes just to retreat. Oh, yeah. My name is Sherry, and I was just thinking along these lines what you're saying about the wonderment, and, and then you just said the word humility, and I was thinking when we don't own it, we don't have to uphold it. Mm. We can even test the waters. We can um, step out in faith. Maybe we made a mistake, but the Lord is still teaching even through a mistake, right? So when you exercise your authority and then it doesn't happen, you you say in the name of Jesus and then it doesn't happen. You can own it and then be ashamed. Or you can say, Lord, if you weren't saying it, then there wasn't authority in my words, Mm -hmm. but I'm learning. And so Mm -hmm. I'm still willing to be wrong Mm. but i'm going Mm. to step out and other people are going to have grace if they're also trying to learn because we're all yeah growing yes oh man guys if if we get activated yeah i'm gonna gonna come to you if we get activated as an army of the lord sons and daughters who are recognizing that we're going to make mistakes but out of obedience and and surrender to the king of the kingdom I don't have the luxury of being like, well, it's kind of like the talents, right? The one guy that just got one is like, I don't want to make a mistake. I'll just bury it. Rather than taking a risk and being like, Lord, you're worthy of a return. King Jesus, you're worthy. So 
it feels uncomfortable, <laughs> forgive me, <coughs> it feels uncomfortable to make mistakes and maybe to have to go back to the drawing board or to apologize or, but man, when we see the spark of like, wow, Lord, you asked me to do that, I obeyed, and you flowed through me in some small way. That was awesome. I want more to bring more glory to you. So good. Yes. Hi, I'm Robin. Um, I think one way, too, is that we have to recognize who our authority is. And so first of all, even like with Brent and I on our schedules, we could schedule ourselves so much throughout the day that we don't even give any time margin to seeking God and what mm -hmm. he, recognizing he could be in charge of our schedules and he may have something different for us mm -hmm. to do in a moment. Someone walks into our office, mm -hmm. we're seeking God, and he says, no, I don't want you to work on that right now. I want you to speak over this person. I want you to pray for this person. And now in hearing and digging into Holy Spirit, now we have that authority, like, God, we're listening to you, and now we're going to do what you're asking. Wow. And we feel that authority because yeah. we're plugged in. So good, guys. I want to pick up. Oh, yeah. So, Melanie Morgan. Hey, Melanie, thanks for watching online. Uh, she said, we can use our authority where needed, but we need to ask the Holy Spirit where we need to exercise authority and then obey him. And she said an example, don't just go going around throwing out what you think. Yeah. You know, you listen to the Holy Spirit and, and go to that. And I felt like I just wanted to share yeah, on behalf of DJ and Cami and Marcus and Janelle and Kim and I, many of you call us pastors. And I think, I think they'll agree with me. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But one of the hardest things to do is stand up here and believe that we're your pastors. It's funny because the enemy comes in and tries to steal that, that authority away from us, just as he would come and try to steal any authority away that God would speak to you and over you. And so that's a hindrance to why we don't step into it and how to do it. What I have to do constantly is put it on. I have to tell myself sometimes daily, sometimes several times a day, I've been called pastor of Shine Church. And I have to put that almost like a mantle on and go, I'm going to wear this today. I don't know if I believe it even, but God has told me this. And so I'm going to walk in that authority. You guys struggle with that at all? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it, it's the enemy comes against all of us in the same way and trying to steal that authority. We have to make the conscious decision to hear him and put it on. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So good, guys. Oh, yep. Yeah. I'm Tom, and um, I've struggled with this daily. But the way the Lord's been speaking to me recently, there's a companion, an image that goes with authority. And this is the key, Tom. He says it's power. Mm -hmm. My power. Yes. My strength yes. to prevail. Yeah. That's just what David faced and Goliath had. He had God's authority and power. Mm to prevail and that's the dynamite <laughs> the gun that's what we need to really uh, live fearlessly amen amen and god has given us both guys that word authority is exosia which means out from and then being as a right or privilege and it literally means conferred power delegated empowerment you've heard us say we're a family empowered to engage god and to share his love with others. God is saying, I'm bestowing my power, my delegated authority, operated in, operating in a designated jurisdiction. And there's another word in the Greek that's dunamis, which is kind of that explosive, right? We've got the, 
We've got the permit to build the building. That's the exosia, the authority. We've been stamped, said, yes, go forth. And then we've got the dunamis. God is going to come in when we're submitted to him, right? Not just when on the whim of what I want, but it's like the centurion who came to Jesus and said, I'm a man under authority. Therefore, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I believe it was Peter who said, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you see that pattern? Same thing. What's the first step? Submission. The first step is King Jesus. You're my king. It isn't about me. You may call me to suffer. You may call me to, you know, experience trials. You may call, you know, I don't use authority to make life comfy and perfect for myself. I am under your authority and I'm asking, would you show me in every moment how you want that to flow so that you receive all the glory? And guys, I believe if we continue to do that and if we don't let the enemy's lies, ah, God doesn't want to use you, that's pride. No, it's not. Obedience is never pride. May God open our eyes to see what he's calling because there's a world out there that needs to see Jesus. And they're only gonna see it if we're willing to walk in the authority and in the love that he's called us to walk in to represent him. Father, I pray that you would do that, Lord. God, we pray that this would be a year that many people here in Castle Rock, in each of our circles of influence, perhaps even around the world, would see you in us as we are willing to obey and take a risk and walk in your authority, as we're willing to humble ourselves in relationship. God, as we're willing to trust you as our source, as we come under you, King Jesus, God, I pray you would spark fires, man, fires of glory, fires of revelation that others would come to know you, come to know your healing, come to know your forgiveness, come to know your goodness, and worship you. And all of a sudden, there it begins the whole circle again. God, take us to new places. In Jesus' name, amen.